Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Charles. Hello. Hello. I brought this up to you mere moments before we started recording, but I'm very excited. Uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed. We've only done it one episode prior to this episode. Eric was the first episode. We are attempting this. We are trying to be extra professional now, and we are recording our audio tracks separately so we have better audio quality and also I have a new little audio setup in my little studio where I have a pop filter on my microphone now literally something I have never attempted in mm, my 12 years of recording podcasts I've never attempted this sort of level of um professionalism some might say so i'm very excited no one said a thing for last week's episode but you know what i've just i've come to expect that when the quality is good no one says anything but if the quality is bad whoo you hear about it oh, yeah. from people you've yes. ever had a pop filter before Never. I've been on other people's podcasts and I've been in like professional studios that have pop filters. And literally every time I've been like, oh, I should get one of these because they're not expensive. I don't know how much it increases the quality of like I was listening back to my audio and I was like, "Mm, I guess my peas are popping a little less, but I don't notice a huge difference. But you know what? There are a lot of audiophiles out there who do notice stuff like that. And I sympathize. And hopefully this enhances the experience of listening to this podcast for them. Hopefully. That's how I feel. I've never had one. Usually if my microphone comes with one, I rip it right off. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you had microphones that had them and you remove them? I've I've had some that well because I slowly increased uh, on my show like the level of quality for microphones and then also they would die very quickly. But yeah, I would just take them off and throw them away. Interesting. Interesting. I've never um, physically mutilated a microphone to remove one, but it's, it's um, like a separate piece, or at least mine was. Oh, weird. I guess I maybe I haven't been buying very good microphones. I've always just had the the handheld kind. I now have a microphone stand, so hopefully that will address the um, fading issues in the audio because I gesticulate a lot when I speak, and oftentimes you could hear my voice sort of fading anytime I was like really getting into whatever I was saying. So. Um, I don't know if anybody would have noticed on their own, but I'm guys, I'm trying in the year 2020. I'm trying, which is a borderline miracle. It's interesting to me that you think that you just now are becoming super professional with your recording (laughs) because I've seen your setup and I was like, oh, shit, this is like a setup. Uh, You know what it is? It's that I have a very nice mixer um, that makes me look way more professional than I actually am. But actually it was a combination of, um, I believe Kevin Kaby and Jaime Marcello 
uh, two of my very lovely friends who know everything about audio engineering, who really early on in the show were like, we're going to help you because <laughs> we can tell by the look on your face and the, the lost quality in your eyes that you will have a full on mental breakdown if we don't help you. And they were a hundred percent right. But Kevin actually went to garage, um, guitar center for me and found all the equipment, asked all the right questions, and truly set up the show for me. So huge shout out to him. Also, this is a nice little segue that you've handed me, so thank you. Um, first of all, quick announcement. There's not going to be an episode next week because my parents are visiting. Isn't that the most adorable reason you've ever heard for me not doing my job? Mm, I think it is. Um, I haven't seen them in a long time. It's a pandemic. Um, I didn't even want to worry about recording an episode next week. So that is why I'm going to take that week off. Um, we'll all be fine. I just wanted to enjoy their visit. I'm sure you guys get it. I'm sure I don't even need to say this much about it. But also going back to um, Kevin, Kevin was a little soldier and uh, was the cinematographer slash uh, camera man slash editor of my short film Hum, which is now officially out at the New York City Web Fest, you can watch it. Um, when you you pay your little $8, you get to watch, I think, four or five very cool shorts. So I will post a link again for that. I've been posting it the last couple weeks in the episode recaps. But um, yeah, please go watch it. Also, Jaime Marcello did the, the sound um, for that film as well. And Hilary Brown was the director. Um, great cast everybody is amazing and yeah i'm really excited it's in the festival and um yeah thank you to everyone who supported i wanted to shout out colin who wrote in at my patreon patreon.com slash allison kilkenny where i post all of my bonus material including quite a few episodes now with you charles in which we yeah. rank our favorite internet conspiracy theories people loved that we got to do another one we do. um I'm we have so many to get to are you oh my god i'm not my spreadsheet is out of control <laughs> um but i had posted hum as bonus content over at my patreon like oh my god like a year ago because that's how i raised the money to make it and so Colin, the other day, just commented, just getting to this today, meaning watching Hum, I had forgotten all about the Patreon bonuses. So good, Allison. What a mood you set. Like the first eight minutes already was biting my nails. And then it's better to know, closed lid and thin. I guess that's a spoiler, but not really. OMG, I'm dead, yo. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Congrats on the NYC Webfest. So thank you, Colin. And also thank you for reminding me to remind you guys that, yeah, that's one of the pieces of bonus material you can get at my Patreon. So go sign up over there for as little as $5 a month. It's just a nice, uh, different way to support the show. And I wanted to thank my new supporters, Senator Bravo and Ashley. Senator Bravo's such a great name, by the way. <laughs> um, thank you so much for signing up and supporting. And of course, as always, there are free ways to support the show. Just tell your friends about the show. 
Um, use the hashtag LightTreasonPod on Twitter and rate and review us over at Apple. Uh, I really never emphasize this because I very stupidly just assume everybody knows this, but if you rate and review a podcast, it helps us chart on yeah. iTunes. Mm-hmm. It it truly is the best way to help a podcast. So if you just go give me a nice five-star rating, say something nice about the show if you haven't done it already, it helps tremendously and it's free and it takes truly two minutes. So thank you in advance for doing that. Um, so Charles... There are a couple things I really want to talk about with you since we're in the recommendation zone. But before I get to those very important recommendations or let's say discussions, I need to share something that happened this morning. Not because it's like particularly interesting, but it reminded me of something interesting that happened. So I'm just going to say it. I'm like 80% sure I saw Timothy Chalamet in the park. like pretty yeah pretty sure i was on the prospect park side so like that tracks right that timote would be in prospect park um right height right build the hair was on point he looked at me like do you know who i am and i was like i think you're timothy chalamet but i didn't say anything (laughs) He had like an older camera with him and he was taking photos of leaves, which seems like a very Timothy thing to be doing. That tracks. Um, same style of clothing. I was, I'm pretty sure I saw Timothy Chalamet in the park this morning. So that was nice. I did not bother him um, because personally, my personal preference is to never bother celebrities. I find it mortifying if I'm with someone and they try to get a selfie with a celebrity um, I, my mode is always just to leave them the fuck alone. Also, it was like seven o'clock in the morning and I was like, this poor boy is just trying to go for a walk, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I appreciate, I, I feel the same way about celebrities when I see them in public or when someone's very much embarrassing themselves trying to be like, oh my God. I, I mean, I've done it a few times, mostly when I'm drunk, but when I, Oh, when if see- I'm drunk, it's it's a different set of it- rules. If I'm <laughs> drunk, I'll try to befriend a celebrity. But yeah, I, I, I take the same approach, which is just pretend you don't exist or pretend like you're just another person. And I'm just like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And it's all about like vibing with their energy. You know, mm-hmm. like there are certain celebrities who definitely put out the energy of like, I want you to recognize me mm-hmm. and I want you to say something. And then there are celebrities who are like, don't, 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 don't. And like. If I pick up on that energy, it's like, oh, I'm I'm just going to leave you the hell alone, which reminded me of a different time I was walking through Prospect Park, which is really when I see a lot of celebrities go figure rich Prospect Park. Um, but I saw a woman who looked so much like Judy Dench that yeah. I did like a triple take. And then she saw me looking at her and she gave me this look like I'm not her and please don't ask me because I, <laughs> I literally have to explain this a million times every day. Uh, and I was just like, oh, can you imagine if you were like a celebrity doppelganger like that? Like how old that would get, especially if you were having like a shitty day. Like, please don't. Not only am I not Judy Dench, but now I have to be inconvenienced as though I am Judy Dench. Mm, like I, what a nightmare. Also, I just told everybody all day I saw Judy Dench anyway. <laughs> Cause fuck it, but fuck it. But you didn't like ruin her day. 
No, I never would. That's the thing. If I pick up on your vibe that you're like, please, please don't. I'm just here visiting family, friends. I just wanted to go for, because I go for walks very early in the morning, which weirdly I see a lot of celebrities. I saw Natalie Portman in Prospect Park when I went like, I was like walking to an early morning exercise class, but truly at like 6.30 in the morning. And I saw Natalie Portman walking like the sidewalk. And I guess it makes sense because it's like, nobody else is out you won't be harassed by like people or photographers like it makes sense but yeah i i that's that seems like also too early to be like oh my god i just thought oh, oh my god you're timothy chalamet that's the 7 a.m is just like not it was so early i wasn't ready to see him it was like you know seeing like a forest nymph or something i was just like oh my god oh uh, that's Tim. and you know what's fucking me up too the masks because like Mm -hmm. his look is very in right now especially in prospect park like there are a lot of like tall skinny hipster dudes who just haven't been cutting their hair and like Mm have the timothy chalamet look down so that fucked me up where i was like oh you're just like a prospect park boy and then i was like oh no i i legit think that's timothy chalamet <laughs> that's i mm, i don't know I, I feel like he's a celebrity where i just kind of like do a head nod and be like all right cool what's up dude we had a little bit of like i thing where it was like he was like it's me and i was like hi timothy and then that was it you know, which I think is good. I think that's like a good energy to leave it at at seven o'clock in the morning in Prospect really, Park. It really like, again, I don't really approach many people, but if I have like something genuine to say to someone, I don't stop myself, I guess. Like, I'm not going to run up. There was a time I ran into Deborah Messing on the train and I wasn't like, oh, my God, I love Will and Grace. We were wearing the right. same Converse shoes and I was like, hey, cool shoes. And she was like, oh, my God, cool shoes. And Aww, that was it. That's cute. I bet she liked that a lot. I, I like that, that. But like that was like an interaction that you had with a person, not necessarily you had with yeah. celebrity. But I can Which tell I, everyone that I saw Deborah Messing. Well, and I bet she really like appreciated that. Like, oh, thank you for interacting with me like I'm a human being. And like, yeah, my shoes are cute. Thank you, you know? Uh, when I, I don't always do like the, the, the stage door at Broadway shows. It really depends on the show and who's in it. But sometimes I definitely will. Um, and I, when I saw Beetlejuice with Chris, we did the stage door. And he was very anxious about it, but I was like, we're going to do this. And he was like, you had something genuine to say to every single person in the cast. And it was very impressive and weird, but that's how you got their attention. And I was like, I didn't didn't even really think of it because I was such a fan of everyone in the show that I didn't really be like, oh my God, you're blah, blah, blah. I was just like, hey, I saw you on this thing or I saw you in this other show. And they were like, oh, and it kind of just like tweaked their interest a little bit. And I think that's how you break through the noise. Cause like so many people are just like, Oh my God, great job. Or like, yeah. you're so talented. Which is like, and never ask yeah. for a selfie ever, ever. Yeah. Which is like, I think so nice for them. Anytime you can feel, I mean, I'm not a celebrity and anytime I have a genuine connection with someone or like a genuine interaction with a stranger, it's like amazing. It's like, Oh my God, that just like, that was a real moment. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they, I'm sure they love it. Um, yeah, okay, so we got to get to uh, some anti-recommendations, recommendations. I I want to get any recommendations from you. I have only been watching horror movies because I'm obsessed with Shudder. So, and I, I have my my own little horror short in a festival right now. So my, my brain is very much horror oriented always, but especially now. 
Um, speaking of genuine interactions, the other day I was talking to my friend Laura, who was um, who is the the woman who was in the ICU for like ninety nine days in Boston. Oh yeah. And Laura asked me such an interesting question that no one else had asked me before about hum, which was she was like, "Why horror?" And I was just like. Oh, like I, I had never had to articulate before why I wanted to make a horror short. And so like I went on this very long winded response, but basically I was like, horror is very big right now. It's something it, that you can do on a relatively small budget. And it's very, um, this is a gross word, but what I mean by it is it has mass appeal. It's marketable. So like mm -hmm. when you tell people that you, you have a horror short, it appeals, um, to like a wide spectrum of viewers. And I love horror because I, I feel like it's one of the, the cleverest ways to convey social commentary without hitting people over the head with it. Um, and you can do it in like an interesting way that's still very watchable and it's not like after school special. So basically I was like, I really want to make a film about a woman who is claiming to experience one kind of reality, but she's not sure if it's true and the world is telling her she's crazy. So what would that do to a person? And then I cast Tessa Hirsch as the lead and Tessa is uh, a black woman, woman of color. And she had a whole other take on it, obviously, which is this is a black woman who is attempting to seek medical attention and she's being told she's crazy. So like Tessa brought this whole new perspective to it that I loved. And I was like, oh man, this is so cool. We're exploring all of these themes and social commentary, but it's a horror film. So it doesn't feel like we're lecturing the audience, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but that's why I love horror because I feel like it can be as dumb and as shallow as you want it to be it can literally be like tits and ass and blood and monsters, which is fun. Um, or it can be like this elevated social commentary on society, you know, which is really exciting. So that's why I love horror and, and I love scary shit. I love to be scared. I love scaring an audience. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's why I love horror. Thank you to Laura for that really good question. Um, so the opposite note of that, my anti-rec is something that Mr. Charles Rockhill explicitly <laughs> told me to watch, mm -hmm. texted me and was like, I think this is bad, but I want you to watch it because I want your thoughts on it. It's absolutely batshit crazy. And I just want to say up top, I found it extra disappointing because plot twist, I think I genuinely like the first 15 minutes of this film, roughly 15 minutes, but it is knock, knock Eli Roth's knock, knock on Netflix starring the one, the only Keanu Reeves and Anna de Armas. That's right. Anna de Armas. And I just have to say they're both great actors, uh, maybe two of the most charismatic actors working right now. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely enjoyed the first 15 minutes of this overall garbage film. Um, garbage. Just a, a little bit of a plot, just a little bit in case you want to watch it. But uh, Keanu Reeves is a happily married man living in a very wealthy neighborhood in LA. 
and his wife and kids decide to go on a little vacation. But sadly, he can't go because he's a very professional architect and he has to doodle on his computer, which is what architects do. <laughs> so can't he do stays that just home. anywhere. Can't do that. You can't do that on vacation. Come on. You can't doodle on vacation. So he stays home and it's a rainy, stormy night. And ding dong. Oh, who's that? I'm not expecting guests. He goes to the door and it's two very, very sexy young women in their little tops and itty bitty skirts. And uh oh, they're lost. They're looking for a party. But they have the wrong address. Can you even imagine? And it's storming so bad outside. So they say, hey, can we come inside and use your phone and try to figure out where this party is? And he says, sure, get in here, you two sexy dames. And I have to say, up until like this moment, I kind of really like this film. There's like a, a real sense of unease and mystery mm -hmm. and I have a very bad feeling because I don't trust these women nope. and he allows them into his home and he gets them towels and he's he's trying to be like a gentleman a good host uh, and they are slowly like encroaching on on boundaries in a very uneasy way I still like the movie up until this point because yeah. I feel very uneasy. I feel for Keanu, you know, he's trying to be a good boy, but these girls are, they're horned up. I would say, <laughs> mm -hmm. especially when they find out like he's hot and he has money and they're like, Ooh, okay. Uh, so it, it's like an intimidating thing to watch happen. And then this movie goes completely off the rails in truly crazy ways that I won't spoil for you all because I don't know. In case you want to see it, it's incredibly misogynist. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think very exploitive in an uncomfortable way. Uh, Anna de Armas is just like, oh, my God, like completely on display in a way that I was like, did she not have an agent? Because like I know this movie was supposed to come out like years ago and they just had it in a vault, I guess. But it feels like. There was definitely not what they have now, which is they have an intimacy consultant on set to be like, you can't do that to the actors, you know? Right. And Anna is just like, man, I, I truly was like, did she have representation at this point? Because it's so crazy. This was her first, um, her first English, like American Hollywood film. So they that makes sense because her, her accent, which is lovely is a uh, very, very thick in a way that like, I obviously she's like worked very hard to uh, neutralize it because if you saw like knives out, I think her accent is, you know, very, very watered down in that movie. And in right. this, it, it felt naturally very um, thick. Yeah. I, I, the issue that I have. Okay. So First of all, like the checklist for this movie should have me absolutely love it. Keanu Reeves, Eli Roth, Blumhouse, Anna de Armas. Like I love all of these things. And I'm like, oh, mix them all together. Perfect. Uh, 20 minutes in, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? See, the, the misogyny stuff. the rest stuff... of the movie, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? For, for me, Eli Roth is not my favorite and it's for the misogyny stuff where it's like that for him feels very on brand 
what just I found disappointing was I really think he had something at the beginning of this film. There's also lovely little moments where like you can tell Eli Roth is a talented director, right? And a Ooh. talented writer. Um, there's this great moment where one of the girls is walking down the hallway and she just runs her hands along the walls and tips all of the family portraits. Yeah. Like, like they're dominoes and it, it's beautiful. And it's also like, a great character moment where it's just this woman walking through order and causing chaos. And I like moments like that. I was like, yes, Eli, that that's incredible. Like if, if the entire film was that sort of feeling, I would love it. But he goes into this weird misogynist exploitive shit that I found, I found very uncomfortable to watch. I think anything of substance or, meaningfulness in the movie was completely wiped out like the last two thirds of it. And yeah, it's, it's just a very stupid film. (laughs) Yeah. But if it, but do you know what I mean? Like if it was only stupid, I would say it was harmless, but I don't feel it's harmless. I feel it is exploitive. Okay. It's um, uh, the character you're talking about Genesis. That is Eli Roth's wife, Lorenza Izzo. Interesting. I was like, oh, it's the girl from, uh, shit. Uh, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, the hippie chick. Yeah. Um, She's great. I love her. I think she's a really great actress. Yeah. Um, so, and, what? oh, this is also a remake of, like, a remake of a remake. There's oh, interesting. A, a okay, I didn't know this, that. There's a, a version of this that was shot in the 70s, I think, but then it's also a remake of a Spanish film. Oh, so Eli didn't even write it. No, it's not. I mean, oh, okay. I'm sure that he updated it and made it the garbage that it is now. Um, but I've, I haven't seen the original, which I found out afterwards that this was a, like a, the third or fourth remake of this same story. And the thing is with this movie is that I... Like, I'm obviously... Uh, on, I guess Keanu plays the final guy in this movie, but I'm on his side, but I want to be, I want to be on their side, but I can't because these characters are so unlikable. Well, not only are they unlikable, they're fucking crazy in like right. a very predictable eye rolly way. Like, oh really? She has daddy issues. Oh my God. How mm. did you come up with that? Like it's literally every cliche of a quote-unquote slutty girl you can imagine where it's like oh she's a pathological liar she has daddy issues her father maybe raped her like what is this backstory um and yeah like the lolita shit is really old and also my like my heart originally i thought this is a spoiler but you guys truly who the fuck cares i guess (laughs) if like you really care skip ahead to the music cue when we get into bad news but when they originally were like claiming to be 14, I was like, if these women are actually supposed to be 14, I'm going to lose my fucking mind because they are both in their mid twenties. Yeah. And then spoiler alert, bitches lie. And it turns out at the end that they are not, um, 14. They're not claiming they're not actually 14. They're right. in their twenties and they were lying to him. So he wouldn't call the cops because they were going to tell the cops he's a pedophile. Uh, uh yeah it's just the most cliche hacky bitches lie plot that you can truly imagine yeah 
And I, I just, I really don't like that the entire time I feel bad for Keanu Reeves because I don't want to. I don't want to feel bad for him. I want to like... No, well, that's the thing. You could tell Eli like really sympathizes with that character. Where he's like, man, this guy's just trying to be a good guy. And then these two hot, these hot girls show up and they seduce him and it's not his fault. Like you could tell Eli is like this yeah. poor guy. And it's like, all, literally, I love that Eli Roth thinks the struggle of the century is Keanu Reeves, a married man, not fucking two women for the 24 hours his wife leaves him unsupervised. Yeah. And then, like, not, like these these two girls are obviously meant to ruin Keanu. They're, they're there to ruin his life. They've done it, to, according to them, multiple men. And uh, they, they're probably going to keep doing it. But in the, in the aftermath, they just end up ruining his wife's life. And all of her art and her entire all house. All of her art. Yeah. Like, Which, by the way, I did. Everything was so spot on, though, in the beginning. That house, the terrible family portraits, <laughs> mm-hmm. her tacky fucking art. Like, everything is, like, pretty pitch perfect. Which is why I got excited at the beginning of this film where I was like, oh, my God, I I know this type of woman that he is portraying. Where it's like, yeah, her art's terrible. But you're you're so right. The only person who is ultimately, like... I mean, I guess Keanu is tortured through the entire film, but his poor wife, when she comes home at the end and she's like, oh, my house is completely trashed. My marriage is in ruins. It's like, what did this her, woman do? Yeah, her her house, her life's work, her marriage, her family, everything is ruined for her. It's ruined. Yeah. And, and it's like this woman all, did nothing. Yeah. You argue that that's all Keanu Reeves' fault, but also like these girls who, again, like I... I want to like them. I really like home invasion movies where like the person is just in like unhinged and I want to, you know, it's not so, you know, in some horror movies where you identify with the victim and other ones where you identify with the perpetrator. Like I wanted to be on their side and I'm on no one's side in this movie. I don't like anyone. No. And it could have been so cool. Cause I'm like, what is this friendship between the girls? Like, how do they find each other? Like there's so many fascinating aspects to that, that Eli Roth is just not interested in nope. because he can like shoot an upskirt of Anna Darmus Cause she looks super hot in this movie. And it's like, all right. So I guess that's as deep as our interest goes in this character, which is like, whatever. Anna Darmus was a, an adult when she shot this, but also at the same time, it's like, all right, so that's the level you want me to engage with this material. So that's the level I will engage with this material at, you know? Um, but anyway, it's an anti-rec for me. Charles, is it a, an anti-rec for you? It, it, it was, uh, yes, it's a very much an anti-rec when I told you to watch it, but <laughs> like I, because at the time I was like trying to figure it out. I, I, in knowing that I was recording this with you today, watched it a second time just to be like, okay, oh I need to make sure that I hate this movie or do I hate this movie? And now after a second viewing, I officially 100% hate this movie. And I'll just emphasize again, part of the reason I hate it is I think it has seeds of goodness in it. Like it the beginning is very compelling. Uh, you, great cast, great set design. Keanu, I feel like Keanu just keeps getting better and better at acting. Um, mm-hmm. I really like him as a family man in this. I don't know. I found him like very convincing as like the goofy dad in the beginning when he's doing his like monster voice. Like yeah. I thought he was very charming and sweet. Um, and then the movie just goes completely off the rails. So I can't endorse anybody's acting ultimately at the end <laughs> no. of this movie. Cause I think all the actors too were like, what, what is this? What are we in? 
Um, uh, when there's a there's a point, Keanu does a pretty good job in this movie. I do like seeing him as a family man. You're right, but when he is tied to a chair and just is screaming for five minutes at them, can I'm I tell like, you though? Oh, what are we doing? I, Keanu, I genuinely yelling. thought that was funny. I really was thought hilarious. that was a very funny performance. He completely loses his shit at these women and is just screaming incoherently at them. I don't believe any of that was scripted. I think Eli was just like, lose your shit at these women. And I find it hilarious. It was so funny. And the only like the only part where I'm like, what are we doing here? Keanu, yes. we were doing yeah. so we were doing so well up until this point. What's going on, dude? So I have a, a genuine recommendation that I also sent to Charles. And I have to say, you reacted a little um lackluster, I'll say. <laughs> but it is a phenomenal mashup of creep and all I want for Christmas is you. And it is done by William. Maris Marancy Marancy it's on YouTube I'll link to it but that is once again Radiohead's Creep with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You and I fucking love it I sent it to Charles and I got a weak ass response is uh, all I'll say I'm yeah I'm sorry I was it's in okay. the middle of like unpacking my apartment with some people and I was just like I had to I sat down to watch it I stopped everything okay. I was doing and I did sit down and watch it and then mm-hmm. I was like I love it, but I'm wildly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. It's very unsettling, which, again, is my jam. <laughs> but I love it intensely. It's um, I Part of the reason I love mashups so much is it's so cool to see how people's brains work. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, how would anyone think that, like, they're listening to Creep and they're like, you know what this would really jive with? All I want for Christmas is, I'm like, how do you even think that way? You know, I'm, I'm thinking as people who are more musically inclined when they can tell that a song is in a certain tempo or a certain key. And I'm like, they're like, oh, these will fit well together just because they See, happen to be in the same key or whatever. I think it's that. I My also think it's people like who are good at math or that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, I am not musically inclined or mathematically inclined, but I know people who are and they can like see patterns where I can not see patterns. And I think those are the types of people who are like, oh, yeah, that's like this. And it's like, what? How do you see that? I will I will have to revisit this new Christmas classic. But it reminded me slightly of that other that like hour and a half long mashup that you recommended a few weeks ago. Yes. That very much haunted me, but I very much enjoyed. I'm glad. Um, So we have gone long. I regret nothing. (laughs) I did want to get any recommendations from you, though, before we move on. Um, I would like to recommend uh, two uh, music albums, music album records. (laughs) Right. Um, One, Miss uh, Kylie Minogue just came out with a new album that is uh, disco inspired and it's called Disco. Uh, Of course it is. Just hit number one in the U.K., um, it is her fifth number one album in as many decades. So she has a number one oh in every God. decade for the last 50 years. You know, what's so interesting about Kylie? I feel like she is consistently left out of the pantheon of like pop goddesses. Yeah. And then when you hear something like that, it's like, oh my God, she's been like so successful for so long. Yeah. She's only ever done one American tour because she's not that popular here amongst people who aren't very gay. <laughs> Um, right. 
And then also speaking of acts that are huge everywhere else, but not here, also Little Mix uh, girl group from the UK has an album out. And I believe they are number two. They lost out to Kylie this week or this month, week, whatever. Um, never ever going to be popular here. This is like their sixth album and it is huge and it's amazing. You know, and that is just so revealing of how like American centric I am because I'm like, yeah, you're not famous because you're not big in the US. And it's like, we are such a small part of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, what is that? A uh, K pop group? Um, BTS? BTS. Like, they're such a great example where, like, by the time they were on SNL and people were like, who? It's like, they're one of the biggest groups in the world right now. Yeah. And, we're still like so far behind. It's like, if you're not big here, you're not famous. And it's like billions of people know who they are. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like the, the amount of the, the level of success that Kylie Minogue and Little Mix have both gotten worldwide and not here is like, I, I just don't understand why American audiences don't pick up on that sometimes. And I it's know. not even like, like I can understand like for some reason, a lot of Americans don't like listening to music that's in another language, which I don't get. I really enjoy listening to music in other languages. Um, so I can understand maybe BTS maybe not being huge here, but Kylie Minogue, seriously, for the last 50 seriously? years. What's everybody's fucking problem? What's your excuse? <laughs> get on the Kylie train. Um, She's working her ass off. She is. Um, God. And then a really quick TV wreck. Um, have you seen The Duchess on Netflix? I have not. Um, it is, I believe, uh, maybe eight episode uh, series um, based on Catherine Ryan's stand-up. That is oh. very, very funny. Um, okay. Have you seen Catherine Ryan's stand-up? No. I also recommend that on Netflix. She has a special called Glitter Room. Glitter Room. And I forget what the first one is called. But she is a Canadian woman who has moved to the UK and now has a small British daughter who um, it's like having a, a she, she describes it as, have, as having like a small English boss in your house because everything that your, <laughs> her daughter says sounds like it's an it's a it's a not so much a request as an order oh um, my god but she has now had a, a Netflix series based on her stand-up and it is very very funny um, okay I gotta check that out I I got to get better at watching comedy specials. I really fell off um, doing that. And quarantine is a perfect time. I got to get on it. But yeah, uh, Amazon has a lot of great comedy specials. I've been hearing people talk about, yeah, yeah. They like made a bunch. Uh, they made a bunch during like quarantine and lockdown, which is cool. Mm, but yeah, guys, go check out those recommendations. Maybe not that anti-recommendation, <laughs> although you're an adult. It's up to you. We've warned you at this point. So you have free will. You have agency. Uh, on that note, on the, the topic of free will, here's your bad news. talk about oh do i even put this i wanted to put this in the pop culture section but we ran long so i'm just gonna put it in the bad news section before we get to actual bad news but did you follow what was happening on twitter with dean browning i actually heard about it from chris because i avoided the internet that entire day and we recorded and he was he brought it into the show somehow and I was like what the fuck are you talking about 
Okay, this is such a weird fucking story, but I feel like I do need to address it on the show because I was like tweeting about it as it was happening and people were retweeting me. And then there was a fucking bizarre turn that I didn't tweet about because I got very confused. But I want to shout out Ashley Reese over at Jezebel, who, as per usual, does a great job breaking down what the fuck happened in this story. So if you missed the beginning of this, there is a guy, a man, a white man named Dean Browning, who is from Pennsylvania. He's a former member of the Lehigh County Board of Commissioners. He's a staunch conservative, congressional hopeful. He lost his primary race earlier th- earlier this year, sadly. Sorry, Dean. Um, and he's a huge Trump supporter. So, but this is very important that you know this. Dean Browning is not a black gay man. Which is why everybody was very confused when he tweeted the other day, I'm a black gay guy, and I can personally say that Obama did nothing for me. My life only changed a little bit, and it was for the worse. That's worse, not worst. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, oh, actually, I guess that is grammatically correct in that sentence. Sorry, that was a, a unnecessary grammatical uh, non-burn. So everything is so much better under Trump, though. I feel respected, which I never do when Democrats are involved. Okay. So he tweets this. Everybody's confused because they're like, Dean Browning, you're not a black gay guy. Why did you tweet this? So, of course, a lot of people immediately assumed, oh, Dean Browning must be one of these conservatives who has a puppet account And he pretends to be a black gay guy who supports conservatives. So then everybody started trying to find like what the actual puppet account was. So somebody found this account called Dan Purdy that looked like sus. This like, I I don't understand I mean, I'm, I, I can, I understand how the internet works and that like, I, I'm very internet savvy, but when it comes to like finding shit like this, I don't know how people do it. They literally just go through every black follower of his and look at like the, the, there are like certain telltale signs. Like if they don't have a lot of followers, if they don't have a real photo, stuff like that. Mm. It's the same thing so, when people like. There's a video of someone being racist and they're like, do your thing, Internet. And then within an hour, they have their full name, address, phone number. And I'm like, how? How did you do that? Well, sometimes they target the wrong people and it turns out not to actually be them. Oh, that's that is fair. I'm talking about the time that they're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're right, it's like amazing. And it's like, my God, you should like work for uh, either an intelligence agency or like an anonymous hacker group. Like I you're wasted on Twitter right now. Um, so people, people pick out this guy, Dan Purdy and in their defense, it, the account looks very suspicious. So not a lot of followers, not a real photo. It's like a little cartoon, uh, avatar of a black person, (laughs) which is suspect. It's also a person claiming to be black who is like supporting, conservative messaging which is also suspect uh so people understandably are like is this dean 
So very long story short, because we absolutely have to move on. It turns out that Dan Purdy is a real person. And okay. So this person comes forward. They post a video on their, their Twitter where they're like, hi guys. And he's a black man. And he goes, I'm real. I'm not Dean. I support Dean. I think what happened is Dean found one of my old tweets, maybe meant to like retweet it, but just he's an old and doesn't know how to use Twitter. So he copied and pasted it. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. I'm a real person. So people were like, oh, okay. Either he's real or Dean like asked this person to take the fall. But that feels like a little tin hatty. So, okay. I guess this guy's real. So if that was the end of the story, you guys, I would not be sharing it right now. There's another fucking huge plot twist. Okay. Dan Purdy's not his real name. Mm-hmm. His real name apparently is William Holt. Who the fuck is William Holt? Okay. What if I told you he's the son of Patty LaBelle? Yeah. Would your response be the fuck? Because mine was. Absolutely. Okay. So Patty LaBelle is not his biological mother. Uh, she's his aunt, I think, who adopted him after um, William Holt's mother died. So, but she is his mother. And that's why this story blew up again. Cause it was like, well, I'm sorry. Now Patty fucking LaBelle is involved. Not only that, apparently William Holt and this is his branding is an anti-feminist TV critic. And oh, that's a part of this. Okay. Uh-huh. And he has a medium account because of course he does okay. where he reviews movies uh, and TV shows, but like he'll like review like ex machina from like an anti-feminist perspective where he's <laughs> like, this movie is bad because women are bad. And, I hate the way it portrays men. And that's basically his thing. Oh, have fun for him. Isn't that cute? Um, so cute. I'm like, I imagine Patty LaBelle upon finding this out, calling him immediately to be like, you stop it right now. Get, what are you doing? Oh ruining my, my God. I, the fact that Patty LaBelle is now roped into this mess. I'm like, I feel so sorry. I'm like this poor woman. Yeah, it's a mess, but also it's like so extremely internet that I was like, I have to talk about it on the show. This is so messy. And also, who cares? But also, I care deeply. (laughs) It's just a weird and like I have a couple Twitter accounts, one for myself, one for my show, one for my dog. And I've never once confused any of them in tweeting out from them. And it's just like, did so I guess this guy is real but that doesn't still doesn't make sense how that tweet came out the way it did did you copy and yeah, paste it by I accident yeah i think yeah i think if you just assume dean doesn't really know how to use twitter then like maybe he didn't know how to retweet and he was like copying and pasting or another option he does have a puppet account he saw that tweet and he was like ooh that's good and he was copying and pasting it and he meant to put it in his puppet account his own different puppet account but he mm. accidentally tweeted it I guess that's a third option I had only considered until this moment. (laughs) But I don't know, guys. Do you have theories? Hashtag light trees and pod. Do you buy this official explanation of the Dean Browning mess? Does that make sense to you? 
is there another possibility I haven't considered? I'm willing to go down this rabbit hole. I'm here for it. I want to know what if Patty LaBelle's had an official response. Oh, that's a really good question. I'm not touching this. I hope she doesn't touch it. It's so messy. Speaking of messy, you guys, 250,000 Americans have died from COVID. Oh, wow. That's a lot of people. And it is only going to get worse over the holidays. California and Texas are now over a million cases each. Mm -hmm. That's fucking bananas. Can I tell you the one story that for me, it's just like every day we're breaking COVID records that it can sort of become like white noise, you know? Yeah. But, but this story really fucked me up. So it is COVID is so bad in North Dakota that not only are their hospitals at a hundred percent capacity, which is like devastating. That means if you're sick and you need a bed, they don't have a bed for you. Uh, the governor, governor Doug Burgum came out earlier this week and said that he is allowing healthcare staff who test positive for COVID to keep caring for patients. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is in North Dakota. If you are a COVID positive doctor or nurse, you are now allowed to keep working because they need your help so badly. Jesus Christ. Isn't that um, fucking insane? And I, my first immediate question was, how is that legal? But I guess because it's voluntary, you can stay on as a nurse. And so many fucking good people are nurses that they are just choosing to stay on and keep working when they are very sick because that's how badly their help is needed. I'm like, this is a full fucking war zone. That is like, I mean, I guess you aren't really putting yourself in more danger, but wouldn't you, the few patients that don't have COVID, aren't you putting them at risk? Like, I think you're putting yourself, hospital? I think you're endangering yourself. I mean, if you're sick, you should be resting, you but know? Just, and yeah, assuming that they are showing signs and they're not asymptomatic. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, like if they're actually feeling symptoms and they keep working. But if you're asymptomatic and you test positive, you're allowed to keep working. I mean, that's not. T- I don't like. I don't love it, but it doesn't sound like the worst. If, if I think, it, if regardless, it shows how dire this situation Absolutely. is. Yeah. So there are now Perhaps more than ten point. COVID. Perhaps if you just like stay in the COVID area of the hospital, you're not really spreading much more around. But you could like infect the COVID- your coworkers too. The COVID area, which is the entire hospital. Yeah. Um, So there are more than 10.7 million coronavirus cases now. I think uh, the U.S. has something like a fifth of the entire planet's COVID cases. Uh, As I said, 243,000 fatalities. And it is only getting worse here in New York City. We are very much in a second wave. Um, yeah. schools and gyms and, and, uh, the like bars. have been closed. Bars have been closed. Oh yeah. So you are not working again. Uh, what, what, uh, they're not officially closed, closed yet. Wait, are they? 
Uh, no, it, no, no, up? sorry. It's it's uh, the curfew. It's oh, not yes. after 10. Yeah, I yeah. Like, I woke up and literally started recording the show. So maybe I missed. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, we have a we have a curfew now. Um, the school, uh, I think schools were set to close this week, if not yes. today. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or tomorrow, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, the the gym thing. I always thought it was a bad idea. I desperately wanted to go back to the gym. And then once they reopened, Ugh. I was like, wait, 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 never mind. No, um, I have a fucking friend who goes all the time. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Are you like that vain where like you're willing to not only jeopardize your health, but everybody else's health? Because as you were saying, like you can carry it asymptomatically. So, and oh, he had COVID. He previously uh, tested positive for COVID and was like going to the fucking gym. Uh, Yeah. so dumb i think the gyms should definitely be closed like the the 10 o'clock curfew for a gym doesn't really make sense to me it makes sense to me for a bar because we only ever really got busy at 10 to midnight when we had to close so that's interesting because i've like i've had people bring that up to me before where they're like what covid can't transfer before 10 p.m but that's a really interesting point where it's like bars don't really pop off until 10 p.m so it actually is significant to close them after 10 that's when we were busy that's when we like got our crowd for the day was from 10 to midnight and well, not only that i feel like worst people <laughs> that's what i was gonna say i like i'm flashing back to me at my messiest and i'm like oh yeah like the later it gets in the night the more you're like you're in, you know, your inhibitions are lowered. You're, you're more likely to be like high risk, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the more the night goes on and like maybe take off your mask and stuff. So it yep. does make sense to ban the cursed hours. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the, there's a clear distinction between indoor people and outdoor people as well. <laughs> outdoor yeah. people like seem to follow the rules. They keep their mask on. They know to get up, go into the bathroom. They know to sit down, blah, 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 blah. Indoor people it's like, no, you can't dance. No, you can't stand here and make out. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Yes, you have to have a mask on. I don't care how many people are in your party. I don't care that you guys were partying before that. You are in this business now. You have to listen to all of the rules or you have to go. Right. End of story. Right. Not only um, are you putting but my health at risk, you're putting the other customers to health at risk as well. Are so people still... Fuck off. By the way, whenever I have you on the show, I like to do a PSA about this, but are people still being fucking cheap with tipping? Oh, you would... Oh. Yep. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. Um, If you are enough of a monster to go into a bar during a pandemic, you better be tipping minimum 20%. And that's for restaurants too. What the fuck is wrong with you? The amount of people that just like stiff us is ridiculous. I hate people, but I'm like, Especially right now, I'm like, you've got some fucking nerve. Anybody who has to come to my apartment, I'm tipping 20%. Like, anybody who has to put their fuck... And by the way, I'm not, like, patting myself on my fucking back because I, I'm tipping people. But I'm saying it's just, like, a basic human decency thing. If service workers don't have the option to work from home, so if they are putting their lives in jeopardy coming to you or or being in a bar or working in a restaurant, you better be tipping 20% or you can't afford to go out. Yeah. There was this, I had this table recently of these fucking, these little 22, 23-year-old little fucks from New Jersey um, that came in, ordered double vodka Red Bulls. 
for like an hour and a half, which is already disgusting. Yeah. Um, Doubles. Their bill was over $100. And in this tip line, they wrote, what the fuck? Like WTF. Oh, my God. Maybe don't come to the city, New Jersey. It was a rare occasion that I went outside and was like, hi, excuse me. What's going on here? Oh, good. What did they they say? They were like, "Uh, the drinks were really expensive. Like, like that much for just like a vodka Red Bull. I was like, one, you got doubles. Yes. It's doubles, you fucking idiot. Yeah. And they're like, and Go you back made to us, New Jersey. They're like, and you made us get food. And there's like a COVID fee because restaurants and bars can charge a 10, a 10% COVID fee, which we do. Um, it's on the menu that says we do. It's on your check. It says that. It's not a tip. It doesn't go to the servers. Um, <clears throat> and they're like, uh, so it was like really expensive. And I was like, well, I don't set the prices. And basically you just stole an hour of labor from me. Good. Good for and you. You're leaving me nothing. And they're like, well, you should tell your manager that the drinks here are too expensive. We are the cheapest bar in the West Village. <laughs> Stonewall is so fucking reasonable, you guys. Like compared to other bars, that's horseshit. Yeah. And then they went, I watched them walk into a more expensive bar where they're going to get charged more. And I was like, oh, see, here I confronted you and I was like nice about it. I know at that bar they will yell at you. So good. Have fun. They should there. get yelled at wherever they go. By the oh, way, fully. I love, love that they're pretending that they're not just spending their parents' money. Right. Well, and as they walked outside, another like there were three of them, and then two more guys came up because I guess they were meeting them to go to the other bar. And when one of them asked another one of their friends what was going on, like why I was confronting them, one of them just went. <gasps> Like they were ashamed that their friend hadn't tipped me. And I was like, mm, oh, mm, that's this is the funny. person. That's another thing that I want to say about bars. Do not apologize for your friend. Tell your friend how to act right. Yeah. I and don't also, need an maybe apology. Don't associate with that person because they're a bad fucking person. And yeah. also when you tell them that you're not hanging out anymore, tell them that's why. Like mm-hmm. you treat service workers like shit, which means you're a bad person. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Sorry, all right. that was a rant. So- <laughs> No, no, no. So necessary. And I love that you do it whenever you're on the show. Cause I'm like, everybody needs to know this. And also I know that we're all friends with, uh, friends of friends of friends who know someone like that and they should absolutely be shamed whenever possible. Mm-hmm. So they know that's not a fucking acceptable way to act. So in the midst of all of this, like so many people dying, social upheaval we're now in a second wave of this thing it's only going to get worse after the holidays and through the winter there are now estimates that like 400,000 500,000 people could die by the end of it like really nightmare scenario which is by the way what happens when your whole administration's game plan is herd immunity this is what herd immunity looks like 500,000 people dying mm-hmm. So in the midst of all this, Trump is just obsessed with the fact that he's claiming the election was rigged, that the results are not valid. He's gotten Attorney General William Barr to give the okay to investigate allegations of vote tabulation irregularities, which are laughable at this point. You know, there's all of these stories about like, even if the following votes get thrown out, he still loses. Yep. Like Biden won by such a huge margin at this point. Oh, um, fully. That we know that he won the election. We're literally arguing over nothing while people are dying. But yeah, Trump uh, weirdly 
the narcissist can't accept the fact that he lost the election. I, I've heard that like some Republicans are like slowly backing away from him, just being like, yeah, well. Yeah, but you know what? I was going to so... put that in the good news s- section because I'm like, oh, that's good. But I, it's too fucking weak sauce. Like they need to come out and just be like, you lost. Not like, oh, he should probably accept the results or like uh, it. Mitch McConnell needs to come out and be aggressive and be like, you need to have dignity. and." make this transition period smooth because that's your job at this point. You lost the fucking election. Do you think Obama was happy to lose to fucking Trump? No, but he sucked it up and he fucking made it as smooth as he could. And he didn't carry on like a little fucking crybaby. Uh, yeah. And I'm just like, like how many last time I checked, there were like 16 lawsuits that have been thrown out. At this point, he's won zero of them. I'm not sure if there's more at this point. I mean, not only that, he's thrown a little bitch fit over at the Pentagon, firing anybody who didn't suck his dick hard enough, like Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, uh, the Undersecretary for Defense for Intelligence, uh, Chief of Staff to the Secretary of Defense. Uh, He's just firing all of these officials And, like, obviously, you know, Twitter, not known for being measured in its tone, was like, it's a coup. It's a coup. It doesn't necessarily have to be a a coup. It could just be like, he's a petty bitch. And on his way out, he's like, by the way, this is what you fucking get for not sucking me off. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's Mm. like truly the scene from Half Baked, but the president of the United States on his way out just being like, Fuck all y'all for never like treating me like the king that I am. I'm going to be as petty as possible on my way out and fire all of you, especially Mark Esper. Like Mark Esper was getting ready to resign. He was leaving anyway. And before he could fucking do it, Trump said, you're fired. Uh, (laughs) Like the bitch he is. And like he absolutely could not be conducting himself in a more appropriate way way to reflect the overall tone of this administration, which we're actually going to get to in the good news section that I'm, I'm about to go into right now. We're going to talk, guys, don't worry. We're going to talk about the total landscaping debacle and (laughs) how it was such an appropriate way for this administration to go out a huge PR fuck up, such a mess. So stupid, such a perfect way for this, um, worst administration ever to go out. Um, but guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. Here's your good news. All right, we're going to do um, a quick uh, speed round version of the good news section. Obviously, it's great news that Pfizer has this vaccine that's coming out. It's like early clinical uh, trial results were bananas. So obviously, I just 
caution everybody to tamper down their uh, optimism a little bit because the early vaccine trial was like it's over 90 percent effective which if that's true it might be i don't know if that's true uh it's phenomenal news and really exciting and will save a lot of lives so i hope those results um maintain consistency so that would be obviously great news I, I agree. I think it's great news. I think that uh, our governor is being a little bit of a dick about it, considering that it's coming from Pfizer and not the Trump administration. Um, but uh, Although I would appreciate if Trump stops threatening the state of New York would, every chance he gets. Yeah. In case you guys missed this, Cuomo came out and said... He's very wary of Operation uh, Warp Speed, as we all should be. That's the Trump administration's uh, program to fast track a vaccine to get to the American people. Obviously, fast tracking any kind of vaccine is very dangerous because we don't want to skip any of the safety precautions that would stop people from getting sick from a vaccine that's like not quite market ready. But Pfizer has been explicitly saying it's not part of of Operation Warp Speed. They did this independently. They're not cutting corners. This is what Pfizer's saying. Um, Pfizer's a huge multinational uh, medical conglomerate. So, you know, uh, we have to be cautious when we believe them as well because they will make a trillion dollars from this vaccine. Mm -hmm. So they stand to gain a lot too. But um, yeah, Cuomo, Cuomo sort of shit on this vaccine because he wanted to shit on the Trump administration. Didn't really make sense. But then Trump responded and he was like, OK, so when this vaccine comes out, we'll just send it to every state except New York, which is a threat and yeah. would kill a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't appreciate the president of the United States once again threatening to kill us because he also uh, threatened to do this with the breathing machines, the vent ventilation too. Uh, ventilators that's the word i'm looking for where he was just like mad at cuomo and he was like okay so how about i don't send you ventilators and it was like cool that will kill people please don't threaten our lives yeah but that's what that's what the that's what he's good at threatening yeah, he, lives and killing people can you imagine when this motherfucker tries to come back to the state of New York, oh, which it's not he go well. will, he will, his dumb golden towers here, yeah. his stupid fucking hotel. He's absolutely going to try to roll back into town. Like, eh, did you miss me? I can't fucking wait. I absolutely love the fact that he is a president that doesn't have, uh, what is secret service for the rest of his life. Like it's not rolled over. I think the Clintons were the last ones to get it. And they get it for a certain amount of time after they're done being president, but it's not lifelong anymore. Oh, so okay, to, interesting. If he wants to keep it, he has to pay for it. And I was like, the second <sighs> it's not free, he's not paying for shit. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. All right. So let's talk about this Four Seasons total landscaping uh, disaster. Oh, just mm-hmm. like chef's kiss could not have happened to uh, worse people in a more beautiful public way. <laughs> so... This press conference is called because Rudy Giuliani, uh, Trump's lawyer, and his entire legal team want to have this like grandstanding press conference where they are disputing the election results and accusing uh, everyone of voter fraud. So they thought 
they booked the Four Seasons Hotel, which is a very nice hotel. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, lo and behold, they did not book the Four Seasons Hotel. They booked Four Seasons Total Landscaping, which is a landscaping company. And it is located directly next door to Fantasy Island, which is a <laughs> sex shop slash adult bookstore. So they had to give this press conference in the parking lot of Total Landscaping, which just visually looked stunning, you guys. Gorgeous. Like you could not reflect success enough in a parking lot of a landscaping company. And so Giuliani had to get up there on the podium and give his little speech. And he doesn't even get through all of his ranting and ravings when the election is called for Biden and the media starts to actively filter out of this press conference while Rudy Giuliani is like mid rant. <laughs> and I can't think of a more accurate visual representation of the end of this fascist regime where it's just like these guys are jokes they're such a disaster they're imploding it was just like a very beautiful uh healing moment for the country yeah i can like being a reporter there i can just imagine me like in like an earpiece or like a text message or something you'd be like what who won i, d I don't have to listen to this rapid badger anymore i'm out i'm fully wait, walking wait, away wait. from this bill are you saying i don't need to be here right now can I get up? Can I leave? I can. Oh, I'm going to do that. Not I'm going to do that right subtle. now. I'm just going to walk out. <laughs> I like to think there were like rows of chairs set up and they had to be like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me on their way out. I just want to like also the landscaping company, when they got this call or this email, it's being like, they want to what? Well, how much are they going to give us? Sure. Yeah, they can use the parking lot. I just I, want to make I, sure, real quick, they know we're not the Four Seasons Hotel, no, right? Don't, don't add, no, they were going to give us money. Just let them think whatever they want to think. Oh, we're getting money for it? Okay, yeah. I won't say anything. Yeah, yeah. Just, just They're going to show up, pretend everything's fine. Okay. Pretend I'll hide the tractors. <laughs> don't bother. The, tra the tractors are always a dead giveaway. We're a landscaping company. <laughs> and not a fancy hotel. And not the fancy Four Seasons Hotel. Yeah. Ah. Uh. I love it so it's much. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so also in good news, keeping with my tradition of being a petty bitch in the good news section, <laughs> Corey Lewandowski has COVID. <laughs> Fuck yourself. You deserve it. Uh, hilarious. This continues the tradition of absolutely everyone in the Trump administration getting infected with COVID, including Trump himself. Um, within the past week, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, positive. Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson, positive. And it's because these fucking idiots are going to super spreader events hosted by the Trump administration. You absolutely all deserve it. Uh, Mike Pence, um, his top aide, also tested positive, uh, including Chief of Staff Mark Short. I think that there's no way that Mike Pence wouldn't have caught it at this point, and it's just they're not telling anyone. Well, it's also, posit it's also possible that he had it 
got over it, was asymptomatic, and by the time they tested him, he uh, tested negative. Sure. That, that's a possibility as well. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think they're all going to get it at some point. How could they not? Um, and they absolutely all deserve it. And I think it's funny every single time it happens. Um, this is not funny, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention it as well. More than 130 Secret Service officers are said to be infected with coronavirus or they're quarantining in the wake of Trump's campaign travel, which are uh, more super spreader events. What do you think that Trump's going to do when he can't hold these? I mean, he's still probably going to try and hold these giant events, but like for what purpose? Oh, he absolutely is going to go on a whole like post-election PR tour. He'll probably have his own news network, definitely going to have a book deal. He's never, ever, ever going to go away and his monster children will be with us always. Can you imagine having to proofread that fucking book? It's just going to be like doodles. And then they're going to be like, well, you have to like write words. And he's going to be like, well, I can't. And they'll be like, we'll help you. And they'll get somebody to like ghostwrite it. Yeah. Oh, he can't write. Fully ghostwritten. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he'll write a book, but it'll like, he'll have his like photo on the cover. Yeah. The, uh, I'm, I'm very surprised with the amount of like the, 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 the money that he's raising right now to like do all these lawsuits that aren't actually going towards the lawsuits because it's oh, going yeah. to like you mean fend off his, uh, his last debt. his last great grift before he leaves the White House. Yeah, he raised a shit ton of money being like, oh, we're going to dispute the election results and we need like legal support. And 100 percent of that money is going to go towards paying off his debt. Anyone who supports him is a fucking idiot and he's stealing your money and you're just burning dollars because you believe in a grifter. That's where we're at at this point. I can't wait for him to come back to New York and just get one booed everywhere he goes. But two, like the fact that the Black Lives Matter painting is right in front of his house. Oh, it's going to make him so mad. He's going to be so mad. I can't wait. So also in good news. Biden officially won Arizona, capturing those 11 electoral votes. Obviously, this is good because it just bolsters his his victory even further. Um, But I also wanted to shout out the amazing Latinx activists who turned Arizona blue. I know there's been a lot of stories about like, oh, Arizona also went blue because a lot of people from like California and Illinois moved recently to Arizona. Uh, I'm sure that affected demographic shifts as well, but this 100% is because of the amazing Latinx activists who organized in the wake of SB 1070 and um, Sheriff Arpaio and Governor Jan Brewer and, yeah, like a really vicious anti-immigration campaign, anti Latinx campaign in Arizona waged by these conservatives. There was a huge backlash to that and a lot of great organizing on the ground. And that's why Arizona went blue. That's how you flip fucking states. Look at Georgia. Look at Stacey Abrams. That's how you get it done. Don't send your money to the DNC. Send your money to grassroots organizers on the ground getting real results like this. Stacey Abrams is fucking phenomenal like that's what a queen like 
it's hey remember remember years ago when she said we're gonna flip georgia and people laughed at her and she was like bitch watch me and then she fucking did it yeah it's like it for her to put in that much time and effort and like it's i can't think of anyone else who would put in that much work for a state that they lost in like that's ridiculous and like amazing and such a great message right it's like so she has the election stolen from her yeah by governor kemp they absolutely rigged that election absolutely stole it from her she could have very easily said fuck this and left and she was like no i'm gonna double down i'm gonna get involved in grassroots organizing we're gonna flip the fucking state it's gonna go blue and by the way i'll be back to run for governor again and she's doing that now and it's like oh my she's such a great role model it's like she could have so easily become like bitter and jaded and been like, fuck the whole system. And no one would have held it against her. And she still was like, no, I'm going to fucking fight. And she fought and she won. And it's like, oh my God, it's like so inspirational. I like, I wish that I could vote for her and I can't. I know. Let's move to Georgia. Fuck it. I'm out. No, no, thank you. <laughs> she's not enough she's not enough to convince you no i'm, I'm um, still gonna live in this garbage city until it's underwater i know me too i'll see you when we're sinking into the sea <laughs> i'll wave at uh, you from my pontoon boat oh my god thank you <laughs> wait why are you in a boat and i'm sinking wait do you not have your own boat no should i get one no you can get in. i mean i assumed i was waving to your boat from my boat but if you don't oh, have a boat okay. get in my boat Okay, I'll get in the boat. Thank you. <laughs> and then finally, you guys, I put this in the good, good news section because it's so amazing and I highly recommend you go watch it. For some reason, the internet just discovered uh, Letta Powell Drake, who was the greatest interviewer of all time. She was a um, like a pop culture interviewer slash film reviewer. And she did some of the most legendary interviews in history of celebrities in which she is just overtly mocking them. And it is so funny to watch. She's so hilarious. And I just feel like celebrities don't get mocked enough in interviews anymore. Really so, and she's also like not dressed up. She's like in track suits. <laughs> like she could not have more contempt for these people. And she's just a goddess. And I highly recommend watching her interview celebrities. I was, I was unaware of her until recently as well. I wish I had known more about her, but in watching the little clips that I saw, but she's just like sitting across from an A-list actor. And she's like, yes. so your last movie bombed. What do you think about that? She would just come out and say, like, your films suck. It's it's a lot. It's very strong between two ferns vibes yeah. where it's like, I can't believe these people sat there for this interview. I can't believe anyone ever treated celebrities this way with, like, open contempt. And it was just amazing. And apparently, like, that was just very her brand. Like, she wasn't impressed by Hollywood. She didn't give a shit. And I feel like we need more uh, letters out there. We do. Like, I I don't understand, like, why after a certain point people would even sit down. Because I'd be like, oh, they requested an interview? No. No, thank you. No. Uh-uh. I'm not gonna. Yeah. And the way that she formed questions, too, sometimes, it's like, it sounds like it's gonna be a compliment but by the time you get to the end of the question it is fully an insult to your face here's a spoiler alert let us never gonna compliment you so <laughs> if it sounds like she's about to compliment you she's really coming in for the kill yeah and she's doing it's it on purpose so, you know what's so refreshing too it's like 
a lot of when you're doing a press junket as an actor these days, everything is so micromanaged mm -hmm. that you almost never get moments like this anymore. Like someone like Letta would never be allowed within a hundred feet of an A-list celebrity ever, you yep. know, in a press junket in 2020. So it's like, it's so refreshing too, because yeah, like where were their agents? Why were they sitting there for so long? It's like so bizarre to think there was a time when like celebrities weren't protected in the same way. And part of that is because this is pre-internet, you know? So it was like going out to like the statewide network and that's it, you know? But I don't know. I love it. It's like so vintage and good. We had like every once in a while Letterman would do that, but it was usually at like a young star who like didn't know any better or almost primarily a woman. If it did happen, it was a man going after a woman. Uh, so that's another thing to have Letta, a woman, really aggressively questioning like male celebrities is like, what the fuck is happening? It's so good. <laughs> mm. ah, so good. It. All right, guys. So go watch that. Go follow Charles on Twitter at Charles Rockhill. Um, listen to his podcast, Dirty Little Horror. We talked a lot about horror films in this episode. So if you're a fan, that's a great podcast that you should go listen to and support and all that good stuff. Uh, anything else you want to plug or promote? Um, my Twitter, my show's Twitter and Instagram. Uh, tip your servers. That's it. Tip your motherfucking servers. What are you doing? It's a pandemic. Oh. And also, you're a good person. Oh, Go ahead. really quickly. I asked my audience to do this as well. And I will ask your audience to do it. Um, in the Also, in, in addition to people not tipping well, people are leaving really shitty Yelp reviews um, because they don't like the rules. And if you go on Yelp right now, it even warns you like, hey, people are working in a pandemic. You sure you want to leave this bad review? Like it's still, it'll prompt you to be like, hey, maybe not right now. And but it'll, it'll still let you. So what I've been doing and what I've asked my audience to do is for like, maybe you're not like a reviewer kind of person. Maybe you don't do that, but go to some, some of your favorites that are like near your apartment or near your house and leave them five star reviews. Uh, name, an, name an employee if you can. It'll make someone's day. It'll really fight against these people who are leaving one, two star reviews just because they don't want to wear a fucking mask. Oh, that is so shitty and makes me so mad. Yeah, guys, please do that. And yeah, I mean, Charles won't say it. I'll say it. He's an amazing bartender and oh. works his ass off. So I know some of you have gone to Stonewall because Charles has been on the show and like said hi to him and like, yeah, take two minutes, go leave a nice review for Stonewall. Shout out Charles. I'll say it. He's great. No, not just Stonewall. Yeah. Like any, any business, any bar, any restaurant, any place that you frequent that you just never really thought about leaving a review for, go do it. Yes. Yeah. Fully, fully. Um, and yeah, don't be a dick. I know you guys are not dicks. <laughs> You're so nice. Um, no, they're far far too nice to do any of that stuff. I would be mortified if I found out somebody who listened to the show was behaving that way. <laughs> but I know they don't. I know they're great. Continue being great. But do shame your awful friends if they behave this way. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 